Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a... Amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour. Is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour. Is what's happening. Football, friendship, and fun, that's what we do. We watch the Chiefs and talk about them too. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Ryan Scott Hall and his darkness. You know that these guys are the best in the biz. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour Podcast. I'll tell you once more before we start to record. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur Hour. Amateur I think it's about time to start the show. Just one more chorus, then away we go. Amateur hour. Amateur hour. A podcast. Here comes Ryan and Dirk, your favorite amateurs. Amateur hour. That's the name of the show, folks. Welcome into Amateur Hour. I am Ryan Scott Hall, and with me today... A man who is no stranger to the cheap seats at Arrowhead, his darkness. <laughs> Not anymore, my friend. I hate those big seats now. High roller. Uh, you have, I, I know. I feel like we together have sat in that corner of Arrowhead Stadium where the uh, very unfortunate mom and girlfriend of Jordan Love got stuck on Sunday. It, I saw people talking about I think it was Carrington. He's talking about how far they had to zoom in <laughs> to get up there. He was like, man, you can touch the scoreboard from where those people were sitting. And it's like, well, well, we've actually, me and you have actually sat, it was the uh, Steelers playoff game. We basically sat behind the scoreboard mm -hmm. uh, for that one game. That was a weird seat. I've never I didn't know it even got like that. Like when we bought those seats, like, yeah, we sit in the, you know, in the end zone up high all the time. It's great seats. And somehow it was like the bigger scoreboard half uh, of the field, side of the field. And, and we were like behind it. Like it almost blocked part of our view. It was like, what the fuck is this? This is, this is stupid. I feel uh, like but, uh, wasn't, wasn't the Houston playoff game too, when we were with Craig and, and bear, we were up there and it's like, wait, wait, this is, the scoreboard's directly above my head now. Okay, cool. So, like, you literally, I mean, I feel like we were right underneath it to where, I mean, if it was, like, raining or something, like, you would be getting drenched by all the rain running off of the scoreboard. Like, we're just oh, directly yeah. underneath it. Yeah, that'd be brutal. But, no, no, the, the cheap seats, those are my folks. 
most of the time, I'd rather I prefer to watch games with those folks. Uh, I get louder, I get rowdier. Um, no, I, I love gypsies. Give me give me that three hundreds all day. As long as I ain't sitting in club, uh, those fucks, those rich ass fucks who who give me dirty looks when I cheer. Uh, fuck those fucks. Uh, as long as I'm not sitting there, I'm good. Um, all right, so. Sorry, I'm, a little fired, I'm a little fired up today. A little fired up. Bomb per minute to start the show here from Dirk. Um, I'm a little fired up. <laughs> I, had, I had a rough day. I'm ready to take it out on this podcast. All right. Um, so I was kind of thinking about throughout the week. Um, so far, I was really, I found myself thinking about stuff that I heard before the Chiefs and Packers game. And I think that that speaks to maybe a pretty similar situation the week before where, you know, you come out of that game against the Giants and it's like, there's not necessarily a whole lot we can take away from this. You didn't learn that much. And I think in a lot of ways, you can say the same about what you watched against the Green Bay Packers, largely, I think, because Jordan Love was playing. Uh, thanks, Rogers. Actually, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm thanking you. I'm happy that we won. Um, now you have You're happy. This... He put all those people in danger. <laughs> How dare you? Jeez, you, you did come for blood today. Um, so, sorry, I was, I was the Twitter response. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so there, there were a couple different talking points that I heard, kind of entering that Chiefs-Packers game that I haven't really been able to stop thinking about. And it's because they weren't necessarily specific to that game, but more kind of like larger season-wide Chiefs talking points. And the, the first, and this is where I think in, in some ways we might kind of frame the show today. It came from uh, Brandon Kylie on the, the Arrowhead Pride podcast that he does with Ron the Show and Steven Serta every Friday. And Brandon was talking about, you know, they're trying to figure out what's happening with the offense, like everybody is right now. It doesn't matter what Chiefs podcasts you tune into. We're all doing the same thing. We're trying to figure out what's happening with this offense. And But, but we did it first. Just we for the record. Were, correct. Um, Brandon was talking about, like, you know, this team, we're kind of potentially entering a new era for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Because you can't imagine, uh, realistically, that the Chiefs are going to sustain the excellence that they have had over these first few years with Mahomes. Like, they're going to have to evolve. They're going to have to adapt. Every team does every few years. Um, and some of it is natural cycles that happen in the NFL, right? But what seems like a great comparison, again, made from Brandon Kiley, um, he talks about the 20 years that Brady and the Patriots are, are this thing and how many different times their offense had to change. You know, when Brady first burst on the scene, they're protecting him. They're definitely a, a very defensive minded team. They're not hardly throwing the ball at all, really leaning into the run game. You know, by the late two thousands, they have one of the best offenses in NFL history. And shortly thereafter, they go to the two tight end offense with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and, you know, after that, I mean, think think to 2018 as Brady is getting older, 
and they're ground and pound. I think you said it was four yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, they ran the ball against the Chiefs in that AFC championship game in 2018, like 50 times, you know, and, and if you look at those Patriots offenses and, and look, the comparison between Mahomes and Brady only makes sense if you're thinking about like that long-term legacy, the style of play and everything, it couldn't be more different, right? Well, and also career path. I mean, Brady, yeah, sure, he had success, uh, team success early on, but Brady, I mean, he wasn't sniffing MVPs until, you know, the, those late 2000s, yeah. uh, which you talked about. Uh, early on, it was just more of a defensive team and he was more of a game man. Because it was almost it was almost like the Alex Smith era uh, was like the early part of Brady's career. So yeah, it's 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 hard to compare, even though you know you just pulling two great quarterbacks. So you're kind of they're comparison by that. Well, and and it it's interesting because you know you have this large sample of Brady with the same coach, you know, and it's it's two decades of dominance, but that dominance looked different every few years, you know, and and that's the thing that we've watched this offense just light the league on fire for the last few years and been so quick to jump all over anyone that might say, you know, that things have like defenses have been figuring Mahomes out or whatever. I think, that, I think that that kind of stuff is inevitable unless you're always ahead of the curve. And we've talked about some of the reasons why the chiefs might be distracted and, and not being as evolutionary this year as they maybe have been in years past, but I think that the question that keeps being asked of Andy Reid is, hey, Andy, what's your team's identity right now? And he says, we're trying to figure that out. And I'm, I'm curious, Dirk, do you think that, like, is that, a, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That right now, eight weeks into a season, they still don't really know who they are offensively. Does that worry you? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, compared to expectations, I just thought they'd, be a dominant offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I am kind of curious. Did you think this was possible before this year? Or is this just, I mean, did you think like, you know, eventually we're going to run into some troubles or did you think like me, Hey, if we got Andy and Mahomes and Tyreek and Kelsey, we are going to be a top three offense. And I don't care who the other seven guys are on the field. Uh, Cause we're just, those four players are that good. Those four hall of famers are that good roll anybody else out, give me any defense, and this is going to be a top three offense in the NFL, guaranteed. That Because that's what I would have said as as recently as a month ago. I would have said, said those statements. I probably said them on this podcast. I'm not – I mean, I don't know. Like, there's there's years of tape um, of, of me saying lots of stuff. I don't know if I ever did or, or if I would – um say that the Chiefs were never going to have to evolve that 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 core four was just so good that who cares who the other seven are um I mean hearing it's not, it's not like, I don't want to say this is homerism this is just we saw three straight years of it I mean they yeah. didn't get slowed down it was three years of dominance you see top offenses have bad games all the time I mean the Bills just put up nine points they're considered like the top offense in the NFL right now the Chiefs didn't have that kind of game for three straight seasons it they didn't have so, I mean, they, they had, they, some, they, they had, some, they had some stickers during that three-year run. Um, some inexplicable losses like games to the Colts and Texans where, you know, now granted it's, it's very interesting that none of us feel the need to quote all the stats about 
how few teams had held Mahomes under 30 or 24 or whatever it is because well, yeah, 20, you know, for a while it was 26, right? And that hadn't been held under 26 for his entire career. And, uh, and boy, yeah. boy, how we missed those. <laughs> right. It's uh it's it's been a rough stretch. You've uh, never been down last, three like, scores like ever or two. I think three scores. You've never been down three scores in a game until maybe the Super like, Bowl, even until that Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff kind of feels like it's flying out the window. Let let me say this. Hearing you say something that probably many or most or all of us have thought or said ourselves that Andy, Mahomes, Tyreek, and Travis, who cares who the other seven are? Um, right now, hearing it, it sounds like hubris. It sounds ridiculous because it's not <laughs> working, you know? Um, <laughs> what if I throw on top of that, the offensive line's pretty solid. So there's another five. I know. Like all that and the offensive line is playing pretty well. So now, I mean, now you're talking about four Hall of Famers and a solid offensive line and two random schmucks. Yeah, I mean, it's um, there. There's so much about the way that this offense, like how clunky they look. I mean, they were even able to eliminate the turnovers against Green Bay and still only put up one offensive touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. It was. It's almost like. Andy was just determined, like, we're not going to turn the ball over in a game. Like, I don't I don't care how conservative we have to get. We're going to have a game where we don't turn the ball. And really, still, I mean, Mahomes kind of threw at least one interceptable pass. He threw one. Ooh, I don't think he saw the offside flag. And he, so he really threw two if, if you dig deep enough. Um, but uh, that's just making fun of whoever that announcer was last week. I don't remember who it was. Um, but... Uh, it, it's weird to see because they're basically running the Alex Smith offense. I mean, it's just screen passes, throwing short of the six on third downs. Uh, it's really weird to see what they've become on offense. And it's almost out of necessity based on how defenses are playing them. And because they don't have enough receivers that can get open, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's wild that they got here. I did have a thought that's like, it's like, Remember those weird six games where Alex Smith, to start 2017, he was basically Patrick Mahomes, what would what became to be known as Patrick Mahomes, and it was like, where has this been? Holy shit. And it's almost like we're paying for the price for it now with Patrick Mahomes turning into Alex Smith for six games. Oh, so I feel yeah. like this is going to be a six-game swing, and like we, it was almost like we made a deal with the devil. Like, let's yeah, let's see what Alex Smith – he can be Patrick Mahomes, and like, whoa, here it is. It happened. And then we had to trade it in for for later, and it's and it's Patrick Mahomes turning into Alex Smith for six games, which is eye popping to see. Although to be fair to Patrick Mahomes, a lot of the nerds have chimed in this week that he wasn't as bad um, as it appeared at first view. Uh, I mean, an offense putting up 13 points. I don't. I think it's hard to say he played too well, um, but a lot of factors out there. A lot of mostly drops on third down uh, was the big thing this week, and it's just those every single week but no i i mean as far as what their identity is i i i, I came on her last week begging for them to run the ball more um and then they kind of did but the running game wasn't near as good as you'd hope uh green bay has a pretty bad run defense they're 26th in yards per carry allowed and the chiefs only went for 3.1 yards per carry uh, and they were coming in at sixth in the nfl in, in that stat uh, and, and not to mention that, the power run game stat, which we brought up last week, which is third and fourth and short, or uh, any down inside the one or two on the goal line, I believe, 
Uh, we had a couple misses there as well. We were the number one team in the NFL coming into last week, and, the, and we had a couple uh, mishaps there as well this week. So even the run game wasn't that great. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as what the identity is, uh, it's basically just like waiting for Patrick Mahomes to snap out of it. That's our identity. Uh, so I I love the the theory, the theorizing uh, that that we might be paying the price for Alex's great six game stretch. Um, it reminds totally, me. Totally sober when I came up with that. Totally sober. I promise. <laughs> um, I mean, this is, but this is where we are right now, right? Um, for those of you that listen to Bill Simmons, he came out with his theory on Patrick Mahomes this week. Oh, I listened. What, what do we got? What do we got? He built it up like it was very serious. And he said, well, Mahomes is a state farm guy. And Chris Paul has his his twin brother in the State Farm commercials, so maybe maybe this isn't Pat Mahomes. It's it's uh, it's Jackson Matt Mahomes or or Matt, Matt, Mahomes. Matt Mahomes, you know. Um, Anything but Matt. Anything but Matt. <laughs> um, but he's saying like maybe maybe it's just maybe it's not Pat out there right now. Um, I mean, that, that's how weird things have gotten. These are the theories that are being floated around right now. You know, you gotta you gotta try to to figure something out that seems impossible almost after the way that they've played the last few years, right? Like you kind of asked if I had seen this coming, um, or if I would have thought this was possible, right? And I mean, I I think that I would have had a really hard time believing that, especially if if you can look at the details of how poor they've played in some of these situations. Think about Tennessee's defense, right? They've looked pretty sharp, not, not just that Chiefs game, but since then. I mean, I can't believe what they did to the Rams the other day, not going to lie. But that Titans defense in the game against the Chiefs, they only had like three or four healthy defensive backs in one of the worst defenses against the pass in the NFL in the last like 10 years, they've just been getting destroyed through the air. And it looks like everything is lined up for the chiefs to be able to do whatever they want. And we scored three points. <laughs> I mean, it, and so I can't, it's, it's been, man, it's been rough uh, to, to have predicted any of this to happen. Um, yeah. That's, that's not something I would have been capable of doing. I'll admit that for sure. I mean, well, how about us? I mean, four or five weeks ago, the easy comparisons were for this team. I mean, everybody was making it, hey, this is the 2018 Chiefs, or this is the 2003 Chiefs. Like, we're looking at the best offense in the league and the worst defense. Like, that's that's what this team is going to be. Definitely. How about, how about over the last three games, we've scored 36 points. That's 12 points per game, and we're 2-1 and one in those games. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, if, if I just if I just go back a month ago in the past and just tell you that stat, I mean, I think you just sit there with your mouth agape for a good five minutes. Like, I don't I don't understand those words that are coming out of your mouth. Like, I don't I don't really I can't fathom this. Does it does not compute, does not compute. Like, I mean, I, just, I, I don't disagree. I mean, if you look at their their first set of back to back wins, in 2021, it was a 17-14 and a 13-7. Um, I mean, these are scores that you don't think you'd ever really see the Chiefs winning by. Certainly not, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid Chiefs. And so, 
I mean, people are having to grasp at straws right now. And I mean, you, you started kind of talking about looking at, it's not just those four, it's this good offensive line, right? And, and we're kind of begging the team to run the ball more. Maybe that's going to be a solution here. And I think I find it interesting. And, and look, in, in hindsight, we can always complain about stuff, right? Hindsight's 2020. Oh, yeah. That's our, that's our best quality as a, as a, as a species. Well, again, it seems like for the second week in a row, the chiefs have this great drive in their scripted plays of the first 15 where the run pass split is probably right around 50, 50, but the chiefs are running the ball. Well, it all looks good. And then we go for two quarters with having fewer handoffs than we did on that one opening drive and it's almost like Andy is doing this thing where all right so we're prepared for this game and we know that we need to come out and we need to be balanced and we need to run the ball and as soon as those 15 scripted plays are over Andy goes back to being Andy until he recognizes late in the game oh wait maybe we should go back to running the ball because that was working in the beginning I mean, I think they had eight carries on the opening drive against the Packers and had five more until like the midway point in the third quarter. Hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I mean, I've kind of heard both sides of if they should have run it more, if they, if they should during the game, I thought they should have run it more hmm. looking at the stats after the game. I mean, eh, I, I mean, and three yards per carry, I pulled up the box score here. We got a Tyreek with a negative four yard carry and Mahomes with negative two yards total. So for the running backs, it was closer to four yards per carry. So, so I'll I'll give a little on that. Um, so th that is interesting, and I'd I'd be interested. I'd be listening to arguments that they should have run the ball more. I I looked back through my tweets from the game, and I said that at one point. Um, so it's an interesting argument, yeah. And I, and I listened to it, but I, I I'm kind of I kind of just throw my hands up in the air at the offense right now, just like I I don't know I don't know. It, but Andy should be the one figuring this out. I mean, it kind of falls on Andy first overall. It's his offense, and I and I just don't get why it's not working. Um, so I, yeah, I, I don't. So somebody that that might know what to do, um, that is in you know a, a similar fan perspective. I mean, this guy's way more smart and accomplished than we are. But um, another show that I listened to last week. Look, I mean, it's, it's fine. He's Come on, it's fine. Um, but Justice Mosqueda, a very well-noted Packers fan, one of my favorite guys to listen to every week. Um, Justice was talking with Steven Serta uh, on Friday and kind of doing this Chiefs-Packers preview. And they're talking about what's going on with the Chiefs offense and, and largely kind of focusing on this, this new defensive trend against the chiefs, this cover two, they're going to play two deep safeties and try to make you, you know, win death by a thousand cuts or whatever. You got to be methodical and, and be slow and take five and 10 yards at a time. And justice points out, he says, well, I mean, look, man, I mean, this is, this is what the Packers offense is literally designed to do at this point. We've been playing against cover two so consistently for so long. And what he started to say in terms of the metrics, when we think about the chiefs, for the last few years, I think the stat that a lot of people wanted to use and proclaim as this great measuring stick for not just how good they are, but maybe even how much of an aberration Mahomes has been, it's all about this yards per play, 
right? Yards per attempt. Um, because Mahomes has been able to connect on all these deep shots and the Chiefs yards per attempt over the last three years has probably been tops in the league and maybe at points um, by a significant margin. The Chiefs have been an outlier in that. It's my favorite stat for for quarterbacks. And if you want to take it further, there's like an adjusted yards per attempt, which factors in uh, touchdowns and interceptions um, and maybe even sacks, possibly, not sure. Uh, But yards per attempt, much more telling to me than, you know, quarterback rating, which Mm -hmm. is just going to weigh heavily on touchdowns and interceptions. Uh, So, you know, you could throw a couple, you know, shovel pass touchdowns, which which we love to do. um, And that's and that's going to greatly affect your rating, whereas it, I mean, doesn't really not really doing anything. It shouldn't be like this big a plus for you. But uh, yards per attempt has always been what I've looked at for, for quarterbacks, first and foremost. Well, and it's it's interesting because we're not talking about, you know, yards like air yards per attempt, right? That's that's even more specific. We're just talking about the number of yards gained per passing attempt. And as we've seen with certain offenses and and the Chiefs have had a lot of guys that have been able to do this in the last few years, sometimes a five yard play is a 65 yard play, right? Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be deep shots, but the Chiefs have been able to, because of the explosive playmakers that they've had on this team over the last few years, um, and and Tyreek breaking all of these receiving records about most 40-plus yard touchdown plays and whatever. Um, I I mean, look, that stuff is, is not by accident, but what Justice pointed out was, especially with where the Chiefs are, and maybe he's just got practice, a little jab at, at Aaron Rodgers. Uh, not always being as consistent as maybe people think, but he does not. He does not like jabs. Doesn't so, like them. <laughs> thank you for that. Cleaning up the joke. Um, Justice said that Chiefs fans need to start thinking in terms of points per possession instead of yards per attempt, because, I mean, not only have points, as you've mentioned, been tough to come by lately, but think about some of the things that have been happening to this Chiefs offense over the last few years the formulas that team are trying to use to slow them down fewer possessions you know let's not let the Chiefs have 10 12 possessions on offense in a game let's slow it down only let them have eight or seven Um, and so when you have fewer possessions and teams are trying to make you go 15 plays over the course of those possessions you know we've talked about this They're trying to make you be perfect. And so Justice says, okay, well, if that's what teams are trying to make you do, trying to make you be perfect, not let you, uh, or, or, you know, try to force you into not making any kind of mistakes, then you need to be looking at efficiency because that's how you win. And I mean, listen, I, I don't think that this is something that's like revolutionary, but it did feel like something to me that kind of clicked a little bit because We've been so consumed with Patrick Mahomes' passing numbers and yards per attempt feels like a great representation of 5,000 yards and 50 touchdown passes to me, right? It feels like, oh, okay, well, his, his yards per attempt were probably pretty good then, huh? Um, and I look at it now and it's like Mahomes had 37 pass attempts and had what, like 100 and 170 passing yards or something against the Packers? 166 yards passing on 37 attempts. His yards per attempt is real bad right now. Um, 
And and do we want do we want some stats on this? Please, I'd love some, some stats. stats. I mean, I've I've been I've been updating this every single week because he just keeps adding to it. Um, so over the last seven games from Mahomes, he has had five of his lowest seven yards per attempt games in his career. Uh, he's at about 55 starts right now. And you're looking at Green Bay was actually the worst. Buffalo was the second worst. Then you're looking at New Orleans last year, Chargers in 2019. And then you're looking at Giants, Titans, and Chargers from this year. So five of the seven games, all from the last seven weeks, <coughs> uh, when teams have been adjusting, the offense has been in this funk, everything's going on. But it's impossible to ignore these numbers that it's, it's at an all-time bad this year. Well, so let me ask you this because also 20, 24th in the NFL in, uh, in yards per attempt. You said 24th? Yes. I mean, that sounds about right. Almost sounds high, honestly, <laughs> given how things have gone. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this because we spend all of our energy as far as football watching is concerned. Almost all of our energy is hyper-focused on the Kansas City Chiefs, Right. That doesn't mean that we don't watch other NFL games, but the Chiefs certainly take um, a, a pretty significant priority. Well, now we're looking at this AFC that is so congested. And frankly, man, every single team has had a dud, a real dud, like a very significant, terrible game. I mean, let's think about the Bills, right? Before this past week, losing nine to seven to the Jaguars, I think most people thought Buffalo was probably the favorite to win the AFC, probably the standout team prior to this loss against Jacksonville on Sunday. Let's take a look at who the Bills have beaten this season. The Bills lost to the terrible Steelers in week one, and everyone said it was just this great defensive game plan, and TJ Watt had an awesome day. The Bills went on to beat the Dolphins, the football team, the Texans, the Dolphins again. And then they lost to the Titans, they lost to the Jaguars, and of course they beat the Chiefs. I mean, their, their wins are not impressive. Two against the Dolphins, the football team, the Texans. We're sitting here complaining about how the Chiefs haven't beat a team with a winning record. I don't know if the Bills have either. I mean, uh, excuse you, one <laughs> one winning record team sitting right here, sitting right here under your nose. Right. Um, and I mean, the Titans, I think, probably have the most impressive resume and they sit in the driver's seat today. Right. Um, but didn't the Titans lose to the Jets and someone else terrible? I mean, look, no, just the Jets. And then they lost to the uh, Cardinals. Oh, okay. Uh, we actually in week one we actually had a an unknown uh, two top records in the NFL right now. Titans and Cardinals squared off. And Cardinals beat the shit out of them. I mean, all, all of that is just to say that I wonder if because we and so many of of the we that are included in that um, we want to focus on our hometown team, not just because we love it, but I mean, that's the product that a lot of people are putting out, right? Chiefs podcast. It's in the name of most of us, right? Okay. So if we were looking at all of these other teams, I wonder what sorts of conversations people are having in these other cities where I'm not necessarily envious of any other team. I have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm happy. 
even though I'm not happy with how they've been playing this year. But I don't think that anybody's out there thinking like, man, we're just setting the world on fire. I think all of these teams are having significant struggles. And some of it is, is offenses across the league struggling, being unpredictable. I mean, I know that it was, I suppose, like a little bit of a, a risky bargain um, thinking about Dallas with Dak um, missing a couple weeks and finally coming back. But, dude, the way that they got destroyed by a Denver defense that just traded away, you know, a, an icon. I don't know exactly at what level Von Miller's been playing at this year, but, like, for, for that to happen against one of the best offenses in the league, followed up by watching the that happen to the Rams, one of the best offenses in the league, followed up by watching the Chiefs struggle week after week. I mean, and, and Buffalo having that happen on Sunday. Like, this is something that's happening league-wide. And we're so focused on the Chiefs that maybe we're not thinking about it, that, like, maybe there's something happening defensively that all these offensive teams are, are having a hard time figuring out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a couple things. I mean, that's just kind of what the NFL is. Um, the difference is between us and the other teams is that our expectations were higher. Uh, I mean, we came in as the Super Bowl favorite, um, so that's why it's more jarring to see these struggles. But even with, I mean, the Chiefs having the absolute disaster of a season that it feels like, we're half a game behind the Bills, half a game behind the Chargers, uh, one and a half games behind the Ravens, uh, you know, first, I mean, just the NFL, the AFC standings in general, we've got 11 of the 16 teams with five wins and we're, and we only got two teams with, with less than three losses. Uh, and we were actually at a point, you know, on Sunday where it seemed like the Ravens were going to lose. And then the Titans were big underdogs against the Rams. We we're almost looking at a situation where every single team in the AFC had three losses. So, I mean, the AFC in particular is just sitting there wide open and, you know, it's just like, it's just sitting there. It's just the Chiefs got to figure it out. I mean, they're not going to win how they're playing right now. This is not a Super Bowl team right now, but it is sitting there. It's within grasp. And what the Chiefs are doing right now, like I said last week, they're just treading water. They're staying alive. They're giving themselves a chance. And, and, a, and a good phrase that I like to say is that you cannot win the Super Bowl in week six. It doesn't matter how good you look in week six of the NFL season, by season's end, it doesn't mean much because injuries are so prevalent. That changes everything. And things just change week to week that it's, it's just going to be more of like who's hot. Like, like the Buccaneers, not a dominant team last year. And I get, you know, Brady was new, this new system and, and a COVID season, that kind of thing. So maybe it took some time. But, dude, they got their asses kicked a couple times. Not to mention, if the Chiefs win this week, they're looking at the same record that they had in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. It's six and four. And, and Mellinger did some, some fun deep dives on that where he was going back and trying to accumulate takes um, from, from like that specific time when the Chiefs were six and four. Um, and, and I haven't seen like the end result of that. I'm not sure if he's that's turning into an article or if he did that for a podcast or whatever, but uh, it was interesting to see and, and just interesting to look back on just a snapshot in time. Like, man, things don't seem great throughout the whole season typically. Like last season for the Chiefs was the anomaly. That's not a typical NFL season where you just waltz through the season, you know, la-dee-da, and then make the Super Bowl. That, that's not what happens. Like, almost every season is filled with this adversity throughout, and we're seeing that from across the league and, most surprisingly, from this Chiefs team. Well, and listen, I think that 
some of us have maybe had short memory a little bit um about last season not me because memory solid because i hear things like um oh well you if you don't get if you don't get that bye week you don't get that one seed like good luck you're you're not going to be able to go out and win three road games and you know all these different things about the playoffs uh that is precisely what the bucks did last year they played all road playoff games until the super bowl of course um i mean look it's it's not something that is impossible the chiefs have been outmaneuvered by some of these teams in the afc because of head-to-head losses uh but because they're so close in the overall win-loss column i mean look all you got to have is one more win than any of these folks and who cares about those tiebreakers um it's going to be tough in some instances maybe to make up that ground. I'm not holding my breath that the Chiefs get the one seed, but I don't think it's out of reach either. And, and frankly, that doesn't have anything to do with the Chiefs. It has to do with the fact that I don't think that there is a dominant team out there that you need to be scared of week in and week out. The AFC well, I mean, yeah, you got- just feels really wide open and there for the taking. Yeah, I mean, the Ra- I mean, the Ravens are in a dogfight every week. Uh, they're one of the teams with two losses. The Titans are the top dog right now. They just lost their best player. Uh, I mean, they look great this week, but you've got to think that's going to have an effect. They're going to drop a few games in there. They ain't going. They ain't going fifteen and two. I'll tell you that. Uh, so that's possible. I would say my my hope for the Chiefs at this point is to win the AFC West and at least get one home playoff game. Uh, I'm not really gunning for that one seed. Uh, maybe in a few weeks here, if things start shaking, continue shaking our way. Um, but right now, I think my goal is to win the AFC or the AFC West um, and just get at least one play home playoff game, get that one, and then take our chances on the road uh, with any of these other schmucks. You mentioned earlier that the Chiefs have scored 12 points a game over their last three. Is that right? Um, my, my little brother had told me he, he did the math. I was like, you know, the, the defense has actually been kind of kicking butt lately. And he's like, I, I want to look at like what, what's kind of going on. And over the last four games, the Chiefs offense is scoring 16 points a game and the defense is allowing 16 points a game. Um, kind of a funny little aberration just over the last four. Um, but I, I mean, I think that we're so puzzled by what's happening with the offense that people are still slow to come around on what has been happening with the defense And our buddy Craig Stout has really been singing the praises of guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones the last few weeks. Um, And and really, I think, trying in some ways to change the narrative. Uh, We were first, Craig. We were first. (laughs) Uh, Probably not. I'm sorry. Uh, But I, I have been, over the last couple of weeks, trying to say, look, man, I think the defense is playing better than the offense is right now. Um, and now I think, no, that doubt. no doubt, especially over the last couple of games, people are like, well, well, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's starting to be the case. Right. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you about Frank Clark specifically um, as, as we kind of look at the defense, because this guy is about as like hot and cold um, in his performances and, and certainly in his reception by the fans a very, very polarizing player over the last few years. And and I, one of his longstanding and very staunch supporters, 
as soon as he performed the way that he did in the playoffs, at least, um, I started to feel like, man, Frank is a guy that I'm just like, this is one of my favorite chiefs of all time. He's, he's happened so quickly. He just like burst his way. He, he power, he bull rushed his way into my heart. Um, and he was relentless with the pressure. And now I'm watching him and, and he is, boy, he, I, I mean, is he playing some of the best football since he got here? over the last couple of games because it, it sure feels like it it feels don't, like don't i mean don't forget the football iq of wearing a Derek thomas jersey at the chiefs super bowl parade um hard to uh hard to uh, lose popularity points when you do something like that that was uh that warmed the cockles i'll say that um but yeah i mean this defense right now it, it's the turnaround's not that tough to figure out in my opinion um, we had five weeks or so of Chris Jones playing out of position and with an injury, Frank clearly not healthy. Um, and now we've got Chris Jones healthy back inside. We've got Frank Clark healthy, uh, looking the best he has since I assume the 2019 playoffs. Um, not, not to mention that like playing upwards of 90% of the snaps. I mean, not just like, not just kind of like going out or whatever, like being like turn into a warrior. Uh, like almost out of nowhere, like when it's just like, man, this guy's constantly hurt. Uh, it, uh, people, people's frustrations, they're warranted. I mean, we give up a first round pick. This guy has the seventh highest cap hit in the NFL this year, not for defenders, not for his position of any player, including quarterbacks, the seventh highest cap hit. You know, so that's not his fault necessarily. You could blame someone else for giving him that stupid contract. Thanks, John Dorsey, with your horrible contracts nonstop. Um, but, sorry, lost, lost track there. Uh, so you got those two, and now you're adding my dude. You're adding my dude to the front line, Melvin Ingram, who looked like an absolute monster out there. Uh, came in at just under 50% of the snaps. I saw every single one of them, he was wreaking havoc. That dude looked amazing. Uh, he's wearing the 24 to honor, um, who, is it? who is it to honor? What was it? Oh, it was Kobe. He's wearing it to honor Kobe little Mamba mentality out there. Um, I mean, all of a sudden, a pass rush changes everything. And, you know, we've kind of said this, even when things were going shitty, we have no pass rush. And I've said this, this was my biggest long-term worry. We do not have a pass rush. We cannot have a good defense without a pass rush. Now, all of a sudden, we have three really good pass rushers. And that opens up the other guys. Now that opens up the secondary guys. Now Jaron Reed gets freed up a little bit. Tershawn Wharton gets freed up. Uh, the other guys, Colin, Colin Sanders, Kalen, Colin, Colin, Kalen, not Colin, uh, one of those, but uh, it frees up uh, Dana, Dana. Um, so it frees up all these guys. Um, so the pass rush, it makes all the difference in the world. The run defense is has solidified, I would say, but these three guys being healthy and active is is the game changer. Um, I hate to backtrack, but you know, nothing like derailing your own point in order to get a jab in at Brett Veach. <laughs> Losing your train of thought just to be able to get that in. It was worth it. It was worth no, it. It was Dorsey. I don't know if you heard me. I said Dorsey. He's the one with the bad contracts. You're right. You're right. Um, I mean, and, and I think that I don't want to take away from what I believe is, um, man, really, really impressive play from the guys in the secondary. Uh, oh, yeah. Other it, than I mean, Daniel Florenson. But – the, the pass rush allows these guys to play with a little bit more confidence. Um, 
you know, it's you kind of have that like internal clock, I think, as a defensive back. Um, you're hoping that like, well, you know, if if the ball hasn't come my way in about three or four seconds, then hopefully the play's over and my guy got the sack, you know. Um, and, and that and, changed. I mean, just think about the Buffalo game with those broken plays and the plays on the top. I mean, Sorensen literally stopped trying on a play. I mean, Sorensen has plenty of problems. On that one, he just thinks the play is over and the tight end just sneaks behind him and you have a Josh Allen who can throw it 60 yards. So it just turns into a 65-yard touchdown. Like, that doesn't happen now because the pass rush is better and he doesn't have that kind of time to make that play. Well, and, you know, that's something that, you know, playing against, for all intents and purposes, a rookie quarterback, um, I mean, I'll take spags in that situation every time. Um, you know, it seems like every every young quarterback or backup quarterback that they've faced since Spagnolo has been here, they've been really successful. You know, maybe Justin Herbert being kind of an aberration uh, last year. But, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair to say that some of the throws that Legereus Sneed and Charbarius Ward – uh, were able to get their hands on, were able to put themselves in perfect position and ultimately not give up, you know, long plays or touchdowns or first downs, whatever. I mean, th those guys were playing unbelievably. I believe, if I remember correctly, that Devontae Adams had all, like nearly 20 targets, 17, 18 targets, and only had four catches for like 40 yards. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really high target number, high teens. Huh? 14, 14. Oh, I thought it was more than that. You're looking at the wrong guy. You got the wrong stat, Dirk. I think it's higher. Anyway, I think it's, it's D. Adams, right? D. Adams, that's him? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Espen. I'm on a website called Espen. Is that, you heard of it? Mm-mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> haven't, haven't heard yeah. of him. Um, I, I'll, I'll say, though, I, th I think it's fair to point out that, like, We've played against guys like Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers enough to know that no perfect position is, is going to work against a perfectly placed ball. And I think that there are probably some plays that Aaron Rodgers would have made despite the fact that Charverius Ward was right where he should be or LeJarius Sneed is right where he should be, right? That's why, you know, he's a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes has done that. Russell well, Wilson can do that. And, right. and not to mention, I mean, everything changes if Rodgers is in because it really seemed like the corners were coming up and challenging the receivers and kind of pressing um, because, you know, hey, Jordan Love, complete a pass, you know, 20 yards downfield. We don't think you can. So we're going to take away this underneath stuff and, and make you complete a deep pass. And they couldn't do it. And, and you're totally right. Um, I, don't, I, I wasn't trying to take anything away from the corners, especially in this game, because they played um, – lights out really well uh, it, it even it even seemed like clamps various was uh, chasing Devontae adams for a while which a chief's defense never does but i saw some reports of that he was chasing him side to side which is wild but that that is kind of the player that Sharvarius can can cover because i don't think Devontae has like the top line speed um so he's more of a precision type of guy which i think Sharvarius does well against and he has decent size uh so it was just a good match it's one of those good matchups and he came to play. And man, people people love to shit on Charvarius, uh, especially people named Kent. Uh, I don't really understand it because um, I think he's played great. We've never paid him any money. He's just been this this cheap guy who's always done uh, some great cheap labor for us. So I have always loved Charvarius. 
And I think getting him back in the lineup has been a huge boost. Getting his corners sorted out and getting uh, Mike Hughes off the field um, has, has really helped. I mean, we've got the, the, the good three corners playing. Sneed looked great in that game. Fenton, I hardly even saw him. That's multiple games from Fenton. He's almost getting like the Sean Smith treatment at this point where he just plays corner and you don't see him the whole game. And it's like, well, man, did Fenton play in that game? Yeah, he played. I mean, he's he's the nickel corner as opposed to Sean Smith who's playing every snap, but he was an NFL defense player of the year. Um, so I don't expect them to play at that level. But Fenton's coming out here in a couple of these games and you're not seeing him all game because he's not getting thrown up because I can only assume his guy is not open. Um, so yes, once we figured these corners out, got the pass rush back, the defense is showing all the signs in the world to at least getting back to league average, which was, you know, our modest operandi. Did I hit that? Mm-hmm. Did I hit that? Oh, okay, okay. Modest operandi. I was thinking of the beer. I think, it's, I, think it, I would say modus. Modus. But, but you know, you're. Is it operandi? Op? Or hop? The beer. I keep confusing is... with the beer. The beer is delicious. So yeah. we can start talking about beer now if you want, because the, the hops on it. <laughs> But no, I mean the it's mode of operation, but okay, okay. So I mean, or whatever. You know, we're getting top three, top five offense and league average defense. That's been our goal uh, from the start of the season. Obviously, the offense is nowhere near that right now, but the defense almost seems ahead of schedule at this point, if not at least league average. I mean, I know that expecting the defense to only give up 16 points a game when you don't have a team with a losing record remaining on your schedule or something. I mean, we they have the the opponent winning percentage um, for the Chiefs remaining opponents is the highest in the league. We have the toughest remaining schedule out there. Um, So I don't think that expecting the defense to give up 16 points a game like they have over the last four is something that is necessarily sustainable. But, I mean... It doesn't need to be. You hope it doesn't need to be. Right. Um, But, man, they've really come a long way in a short period of time. And I do think that it's as simple as what you put out there, you know, talking about just essentially getting healthy up front, you know, um, which, which, which is again, nobody wants to hear when you, when you're struggling, you know, it's a really tough conversation, you know, the league, the, the defense is like the worst in the league. And you want to be like, well, you know, Chris Jones, he's, he's playing, but he's battling this injury and Frank Clark isn't out there. And it's just like, I don't want to hear it because they're fucking terrible. Like nobody wants to hear that in the moment. It's always kind of like a looking back kind of thing. Like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense because Chris Jones had this wrist injury. So it was limiting his effectiveness. Um, and Frank Clark wasn't on the field or was playing. I, I can't even remember at this point. Um, but, you know, that's something that just with, uh, you know, perspective is becomes clear. So we have seen this defense, you know, kind of find a remedy and for them, it seems like it was mostly about getting healthy. But offensively, as we already got stuck in the mud a little bit, like we're just, we're throwing stuff at a wall. We don't know what's going to work. And and a one possible solution, Dirk, that I don't know how much he's been on your mind, but he's been very heavy on my conscience lately over the last couple of days is Odell Beckham Jr. Darren Fells. Oh, yeah. No. It was right. Josh Reynolds for about 30 seconds. Josh Reynolds, I saw he had multiple people claim him. Oh, I didn't know like he got claimed by multiple teams. I just know the Lions got him. I mean, they're kind of they, well, I saw they said the Rams put in a claim for him as well. His old team. Okay. There you go. Well, with Beckham being in this position now where 
he can pretty much choose his destination. Um, and all reports seem to indicate that the Chiefs are are in on it. Yeah, it seems like there's four teams that are really that keep coming up. It's the Packers, Saints, Chiefs, and Patriots. And the I latest report, Seahawks a lot too. Seahawks, yeah, they have kind of. It seems like almost like the Seahawks are just interested, but he's not. Uh, I don't know if that's because they have a bad record right now or or something, but um, you know, it's and, and then the last last report I saw before we started this was that he's going to actually take a couple days. Uh, and I, I did see some people speculating, like maybe the interest wasn't as much as as he thought. Um, but I mean, if you look at those teams, man, going to the Saints, I understand maybe wanting to go home to the Louisiana area. I don't know if he grew up there, but He's obviously he went to LSU. Yeah. Okay, so he and then he went to LSU, so maybe he wants to do that. I feel like he's going to be miserable catching passes from Trevor Simeon and, and Taysom Hill. Um, the Packers, I could see, but there was reports that they're only offering the league minimum. The Patriots seem to be driving hard to the hoop, uh, but I think their offense has some limitations. But I could I could see that working out, um, you know, kind of reviving his career like that. They don't really have a number one receiver at all. And then the Chiefs, I think, could be, you know, it's almost an obvious remedy. Like they, they need a second receiver and, and he would fit the bill. And that might help them with future earnings, you know, if he can kind of go off in that role. So I, I think that where we started a little bit with the offense, the fact that we've got this core four and, and we thought that they were kind of impervious um, to, to this downslide that we're seeing. I think that we're recognizing at least in some way, shape or form, whether it's the way defenses are playing or the number of distractions that are happening or a lack of development or whatever, um, that, that they're obviously not immune. And I think a lot of us are kind of pointing our finger at this. We need another receiver. We need another receiver. We need another receiver, right? Um, and I, I will 100% bang that drum and Odell is the best option available. Um, I, I wonder a little bit, have you been, have you been thinking about, and, and I'm not encouraging you to, or anyone else to, for that matter, but I mean, have you found yourself thinking about because the chiefs are struggling, like what this might mean for years beyond 2021. Uh, I would, I mean, I kind of did for the first time, like today. Uh, and it was kind of seeing some stats, you know, uh, I think what spurred it was, was Travis Kelsey, like kind of a decline in his stats. Um, and it's almost kind of like, you know, how old is he at this point? 31, 32. Um, like it's going to happen at some point. Um, he's just going to fall off a little bit. And, you know, so, I mean, maybe that's happened. Maybe Tyreek has lost a little bit of a step. Uh, maybe he's, you know, hampered with an injury right now a little bit. Um, but, you know, a lot of these plays, especially early in the season, I kept, like, the biggest plays of the game were calling, like, a Tyreek out route. And he just wasn't getting open. You know, I think I almost feel like that was, like, a money play in years past. Like, I don't remember specific plays like this, but we sure went through it in key situations, like especially Baltimore. I mean, think of Baltimore, there was a huge third down play. Um, the corners kind of draped all over him and he breaks it up. And, uh, you know, that's that was the, the drive before the Clyde fumble. Um, so maybe, you know, the Tyreek of two years ago makes that play. And then it never even gets to a point where Clyde has the fumble because the Chiefs just kind of, you know, two score that game out. Um, so it is possible that, you know, Tyreek and Kelsey are entering the next phase of their career where they're not quite as dominant. And that's, 
assets. I mean, there's nothing you can do. They're not going to stay in their prime forever. It kind of sneaks up on you just because the team has been so good and they've been so good. Like you never really see it coming until it's there. Um, but that is possible. And, and then looking at the future, they don't really have anyone lined up. It's, it's not like, well, you know, Byron Pringle's just going to step in. He's going to play this Tyreek Hill role. He's going to be the next guy. Like, I have no clue what the Chiefs offense looks like in three years. Uh, both of those guys could be gone. And it doesn't seem like, you know, the next big star, the next big weapon is on the team right now. So they almost have to, like, completely reinvent at least the weapons around Mahomes. I think the offensive line is in a good long-term position. But in terms of the weapons beyond uh, around him, excuse me, the wine is starting to get to me. Um, but that might need some reinventing, you know, who knows when now? I mean, if this continues, you might start looking at it this offseason. You might start looking at it this week if they go to Odell. Well, and I mean, you mentioned <clears throat> like Odell and the Patriots, you know, I can tell you this much with Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones, they're going to rub their heads together, and I guarantee that they will throw Odell Beckham 10 slants a game. And, and he'll um, be the unquestioned number one guy, whereas he comes here and he's, you know, he's probably not going to get higher than the number three guy. And, but, I mean, I, I think about the way that he would be used in the structure of that offense, and I feel like it's not dissimilar from what the Chiefs would be, hopefully, asking him to do um, because I mean, look, let's, let's be honest. You know, we talked a little bit about the distractions that some of these guys are facing. Andy Reed included even guys, you know, Andy Reed, Patrick Mahomes that for, for many years have felt kind of beyond reproach. Like I'm not going to question Andy Reed. Who am I to question Andy Reed? Look at what he and Mahomes are doing. Right. Those are like the last guys that you were ever going to bring complaints against. And we've kind of gotten to that point this year, but I mean, let's be real. There, there's not some, you know, if we kind of want to call it to cover two, I don't think that Andy and Pat are so dumbfounded by it that like, we just kind of have to wait it out and maybe they'll figure it out. Like there's gotta be, and I would point to what I, I think is, is in some ways like a personnel problem, because if we look to, if the chiefs are trying to change their identity a little bit on offense, I'll, I'll make this comparison to the Packers because Justice Mosqueda had said, this is what the Packers offense has to do. They have to play against cover two. Well, here's what the Packers offense typically looks like. Throwing the ball as quickly as possible, often out to the flat, using a lot of big wide receivers. Look at the, look at the height and weight on the receivers for the Green Bay Packers. Most of them are like well above six feet, well above 200 pounds. And that's not a, just a Packers type. Like, that's what they feel like they have to do. Get these guys on the edge, make blocks, open up space, gain some yards, be fast and efficient. And when they're not doing that, they're trying to target guys over the middle of the field. Well, I think that Kelsey can be that middle of the field guy in a lot of ways, but the Chiefs have a bunch of small guys on out on the edge. I mean, Demarcus and Josh Gordon – and Marcus Kemp, I suppose, have the stature. I don't know if I want any of those guys out there, you know? Um, and, and so I do think that the Chiefs might be in this position where Andy's kind of changing the play calling a little bit to fit, okay, well, if the flats are what I'm supposed to attack because the safeties are way off the line of scrimmage and, you know, if I'm supposed to be running the ball a lot, 
you know, and instead of throwing it, if we have to shift our identity, well, <clears throat> if they would have known that this is coming, I don't think that Clyde would have been the back that they drafted. If they would have known that this is coming, I don't know that they wouldn't have made a few more changes or something, you know, to that wide receiver core. Yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't even try to replace Sammy Watkins. It was just, he left and everybody moved up a slot. Right. And, and so, but here's the thing that whether you like Brett Veach or not, because he's been aggressive and he showed that in one off season, he could essentially change the entire character of that defense and make them Super Bowl ready. Did the same thing with this offensive line, one off season, rebuilt all five positions on it. I don't think that there's any reason for us to necessarily be afraid that if the, I mean, we know he's, I would assume, hopefully we're going to get to a point where he's going to have to be aggressive about receiver. But I, I think that that wide receiver room outside of Tyreek Hill is probably the worst in the NFL. And, and it, it may have to be, you have to find some exceptions because Look at where the Falcons are right now without Calvin Ridley. You know, you just mentioned the Lions claiming Josh Reynolds like he was, you know, the king of the mountain or something. Um, the Lions would be the answer. The Lions, I mean, are we just removing Tyreek Hill and then comparing the rest? I, to... We're essentially talking about wide receiver depth, you know, because we have this guy that that is a clear kingpin and one of the best receivers in the league, leading the league, I believe, in receptions and, and all sorts of other statistics because Tyreek is – already has a hundred targets in nine games. Well, I, and well, I mean, one thing to keep the comparison going, it's kind of similar to the Packers. I mean, they have Devonte Adams and then who's their, their second guy Lazard. I mean, right. he's, he's about the same level as Demarcus Robinson. And then they got Marquez Valdez Scantling. I'm like, I mean, he's not, he's they, not doing much. They don't, they don't have, you know, they have nobody at the level that Travis Kelsey is at. Even no, if Kelsey and, and they essentially have, Jones would be their Travis Kelsey. They have a weapon in the backfield instead of at tight end. I mean, but I, I, I think that I think that they're going to be able to figure it out enough that I, I feel pretty comfortable today saying that I think the Chiefs, because of coaching and because of just the raw talent and the chemistry that these guys do have together, I think that they're a playoff team. Um, and, and I, I wasn't sure about that last week. And, and I don't want to say that, be, you know, just because they beat the Packers, uh, the Jordan love Packers, but like getting that win is, is great. We got to stack them up, like we said, but I'm, I'm starting to think a little bit that because everyone looks so mediocre to me that with or without Odell Beckham, the chiefs are probably gonna be okay. But I, I do think that that offense could really use a shot in the arm. And as our friend Nick Wright very articulately pointed out the other day, like, look, Odell, even if it's just really good timing on your part, if this offense turns it around after they sign you, no matter how much of an impact you have on it, you're going to be able to take some kind of share of the credit for that, man. And I, I think that there is a huge hole that he could step into and really help out this offense just because, I mean, think about the guys that are vying for those snaps and what they do, what they bring to the table. Not a single one of them is known for being a route runner at all. 
It might be most of them, it's about raw athleticism or try hard or whatever, but none of those are technicians. And Odell yeah. has always been a guy that takes that part of his game, that craft of his game seriously. And if his explosiveness has gone down, okay, I don't need Odell Beckham to make one-handed sideline grabs that are all over Sports Center all week long. I need him to catch, like we talked about with Josh Gordon, can you catch two or three third downs in a game? That's all I need. We'll be okay after that. Someone to consistently move the chains. We don't need Odell to be anything other than who he is at 29 years old. Yeah, and a couple of things there. I, I mean, I do think the Chiefs acknowledge that there is a problem because they signed Josh Gordon. So, I mean, they, they did address the position. So it's almost like an admission, like, okay, we kind of do need a receiver. See, now my pushback on this, so I keep hearing about this, like they don't have these weapons. And my simple question is, they haven't had Sammy Watkins for half of the games over the last three years, and it hasn't seemed to bother them. So what's the difference? Where, where is the difference between those games and what we're seeing now? Is it just defenses are playing them different? Tyreek and Kelsey have lost a step? Or what, where, is, where is the difference there? To me, I think it's a combination of all those factors. All, I mean, we've had different talking points every week of the year. And, and I mean, hey, maybe I'm just working to confirm our priors, but I think anything that you can come up with looking at this offense not only is it possible, I think that a lot of it is probable. I think that the Chiefs have an issue with personnel because you mentioned, hey, it's it's not like we haven't had we Sammy Watkins didn't play that much and it was okay. But has that offense, has the quality of players at wide receiver, let's say specifically, has it improved since 2018? No, it's been static. Like it's it's all the same guys. And none of those guys have gotten better. So even if Mahomes has gotten better or the offensive line has gotten better or whatever, like I, I just, I, I think that they have, have failed personnel wise at wide receiver. But I also think that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and some of the other leaders on the team are distracted by things that are going on outside of football. I also think that defenses have figured them out a little bit. I think defenses are figuring out a lot of NFL offenses right now that we're trying to build themselves like the Chiefs. I think all of these things go into that puzzle. And so there's not necessarily one solution. Um, but I tell you what, throwing Odell Beckham out there doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> For sure. But I was just kind of sharing my belief on why, you know, I wouldn't have attacked wide receiver two this offseason. Because I was more like, you know, fix the offensive line, add a pass rusher. We can get by without a wide receiver too. Like I've seen this offense over the years without Sammy Watkins be extremely successful. So like I'm expecting that to continue. And I almost wonder if it's just without him full time, like it's giving, you know, defensive coordinators like a better, a better view of it. Whereas Sammy Watkins is kind of here for a few games and then missing for a few games. So you almost like don't adjust enough to them without Sammy Watkins. Now we're full time without Sammy Watkins. So they're like, oh, now we see the hole in the Chiefs offense where that wasn't as apparent when Sammy was just missing, you know, one, two or four to six weeks at a hamstring time. So let me ask you this. Um, I know that it's I, I think it's like not necessarily what they were hoping for. Uh, you you would you would think at least. 
Do you think that the Chiefs are surprised that by opting this offseason to not replace Sammy Watkins and just trying to say, all right, we've got Byron Pringle in-house, we've got McCole Hardman, he knows it's a big year, we've got DeMarcus, he can take one last shot at it. Like, one of these guys is going to be able to separate themselves, right? Do you think that they're surprised that no one has? Or do you think that they were just leaning into Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and saying, we can get by with this? Oh, I think they're very surprised. I mean, we've seen the Andy Reid offense work with zero receivers. I mean, I mean, go back to the Alex Smith years. I was arguing that there's no point in signing receivers to like big, big contracts because he's not going to utilize the receiver. Like Andy Reid can generate, you know, a league average offense with, with almost no talent, like just scheme alone. And that's just not me saying it. We kind of saw that for the first couple of years of his tenure. Um, so, you know, it's, I, it's I think they're, the Patriots, you know, they've, we've looked at so many bad receivers in New England for years and years and years or Julian Edelman is the only guy that they have, and he doesn't even amount to Tyree Kill, you know? So it's not that they have to have superstars, but we always focus on these weapons, you know? Yeah, and and maybe it's the problem is just Hardman and Demarcus Robinson just not developing whatsoever. I mean, Demarcus Robinson, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I think if you look up his stats, he regressed this year. And there's no, there's no reason to, because, you know, we're minus a weapon. He should be the one sliding up. So I'm kind of looking at it two years ago, 449 yards last year, 466 yards this year, halfway through the season, 153. So a drop off there when you wouldn't expect it just based on the personnel around him. Like he should be sliding from wide receiver three up to wide receiver two, and he should see a jump in numbers. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't see a decline there. So that's, that's weird. Hardman He's relatively productive, but man, it's just mistake after mistake that you just can't overlook it. And he's also just not a traditional receiver. He's just kind of a screen guy, you know, this kind of guy, returner, gadget, whatever you're going to call it. But he's not he's not running like a 12-yard dig in there and, and getting you a big third and nine kind of thing. That's just not what he is. And maybe not what he was drafted to be. So, I mean, maybe that's not on him. And then you go back to Beach. But, yeah, it's, it's just there is a hole at wide receiver, too. I see absolutely no reason to not go get Beckham. Um, I would be weary if we're talking about paying him serious money. I would be weary if we're talking about we don't have serious money <laughs> long. Yeah, about him being on the team long term. But if we're talking about nine games when this team is clearly you know struggling in a funk, uh, you know not right right now, there's nothing to lose. I mean, once they come in and and what the offense gets worse. Like at all, there's nothing to lose at this point. Like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see if that can turn things around. I, I do think, um, you know, I asked if you thought the chiefs were surprised that these guys haven't developed. I think that the chiefs are surprised that the offense isn't clicking. Um, I think that they've been blindsided by that, but I, 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 I don't think that they're surprised that McColl hasn't gotten better or that DeMarcus hasn't gotten better or that Byron Pringle hasn't established himself. I think they went cheap. I don't think that they had high expectations for any of those guys because they have been drinking the own, you know, their own Kool-Aid that they've no reason not to. We've all felt the same way. Well, we've got Andy and Pat. We've got Tyreek and Travis. We're going to be fine. Plus, we have this new rebuild offensive line. This team's going to be great. We've got Clyde, first-round pick at running back. Everything's going to be okay. It doesn't matter with these receivers. And to be fair, that's defensible. It's defensible because you have to go cheap somewhere. 
Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just signing a, an all-star team here. Like you have to be cheap somewhere on the field or cheap at cornerback every single year. And that's why the pass rush is so much so important because, hey, the money's in the pass rush. So the pass rush has to be good because the corners, they're not paid to be good. They're paid to be okay. They're paid to survive. The pass rush has to make them good. You know, we're paying Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. They have to make up for the receivers not being good, which I thought would happen. I think they thought would happen, and it's not happened. So, I mean, it's defensible. That's defensible. I'll defend a, or I'll defeat, defend Brett Veach there. Um, I'll defend the team there for that decision. But it does seem like right now it's not working out. I, I wish we could see the team with, like, a true slot guy, especially now with what we've seen with, with teams, um, you know, making us play, you know, behind the sticks with short passes. Give me a guy like Jamison Crowder. Give me a guy like Sterling Shepard who's just working in the slot. Like, how many times did me and you talk about Jamison Crowder this year? I feel like we were just watching him for a while. He's got the highest salary on the Jets team. I feel like he hardly plays. I don't really know. He's not putting up – he's not fantasy worthy. I know that. Uh, but if you could just see a guy like that working in the slot – who can get you a third and five, just run a little out route like our own little Edelman. I would love to see that on this offense, especially right now with what we've seen. Uh, Jamison Crowder has been mentioned in our group chat no fewer than 114 times since, you know, that initial report way back in like March that like Jets might need to cut Jamison Crowder. They wouldn't have any dead money and he makes a lot, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and it's not like it's not this year. I mean, this goes back for years. I mean, I'm just begging for him, like, just sign a white slot guy. How come the Patriots always have this white slot receiver and we never do? Like the last guy, like, who is Devin Wiley? We drafted Devin Wiley. Like, maybe this guy can be it. He's gonna be a hero. He's gonna run an out on third and four. That's all we need. Give me Devin Wiley. It didn't uh, work out. Don't didn't work about, out. Don't forget about 53 Lance Longs. Lance Long, Chad Hall. Um, but how come our white guys don't work out? Where's La Chapelle? Put him <laughs> in the slot. Do you think that just because his name is Jameson Crowder that he's white? Because he, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Jameson Crowder is a black guy, and I know well, you're yeah, talking about slots, Crowder. but then you're like, then you're like, just going on this white slot receiver rant, <laughs> and I'm like, does he? Has he ever? Have you ever seen a picture of Jameson Crowder before? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Brady and Peyton just required him to be white. Like that's, that's more of their thing. Like it had to be like Blair white. He was even named white. He was so white. Uh, but their, their guys are always white. Stokely Welker got shared. He got passed between the two. Um, uh, you know, we can't seem to get sheepdog on the field. There's our white receiver. He's just hasn't been at the, you know, the level of Anthony Gonzalez. Sheepdog? Garrett Dieter. <laughs> they call him Sheepdog. Um, do, you, do you think that... <laughs> call him Sheepdog. That's like his nickname. That's what they call him. They call him the Sheepdog. Um, and somehow Garrett Dieter still on the sidelines. I have no idea what his role is. Is he an ambassador? On the practice squad. I think he how? Still has how can he be on the practice squad? And how can Patrick Mahomes be in such a bad mood if his best friend is still on the team? Like maybe we, maybe we need to send a message and cut Garrick Dieter. Like start playing better or Garrick's out of here. Do, do you do you think that guys like Tom and Peyton would just go to their head coach or their general manager and be like, you know, listen, you just get, you got to give me one. All right. You got to give me one that I can connect with. Okay. And, and Pat's one is Garrick Dieter. He just, that's the guy he's chosen to keep around. Uh, but you know, maybe it should have been Kiki QT or somebody else from Texas tech. Um, listen, I, I think that before we go, 
<clears throat> I need you to answer at least one question about the Raiders. I know that you might have retired from the production business, but in, in, in the Chiefs of old over the last however many years playing against the Raiders and Derek Carr, let's say dating back to Bob Sutton, uh, you know what we did against Derek Carr? We blitzed his ass all night long. We made Derek Carr look terrible. He refused to throw the ball downfield, and we made him pay for it year after year after year. And I know that Derek Carr has evolved a little bit, and I know that they just signed Deshaun Jackson, who's been open by 20 yards behind two safeties for the last 10 years. But if you're Steve Spagnolo and you see this Raiders offense going through what that team has gone through and this offense really starting to struggle a little bit, I mean, are you gonna are you gonna treat him not necessarily exactly the same way that you did Jordan Love, but similarly? Are you bringing the house at Derek Carr this Sunday night, or is it Sunday night? It's Sunday night, right? Yeah, well, I've been waiting all day. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I look. Um, you may not have a def defensive philosophy, but like I'm just thinking about what would be fun. Oh no! I'll, is I'll watching Spagnolo send the heat against Derek Carr all night long. I but want I, him to be miserable. I'm I'm always blitzing. I think this defense is better when it's blitzing. Um, I got a stat here I haven't fired off yet. Jordan Love against the blitz on Sunday. I don't know if you've seen these stats. Pretty eye popping. Six of seventeen for thirty yards when blitzed. <laughs> yes, that's great. Okay, I mean it got to the point where we weren't even hiding. We we're just lining up at the line. Like, yep, we got six or seven guys coming. What are you gonna do? You ain't gonna do nothing. Um. So I would like to continue that, maybe not at that rate, because Carr is probably smarter or at least more talented or maybe at least more experienced uh, to figure that out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'm always blitzing. I'm always blitzing, especially if the offense gets back to where it was. But I love to blitz uh, with this defense. And, and Derek Carr, man, what a weird, weird quarterback. He can, he can look so lost um, and just be king of – you know, throwing short of the sticks, not under any pressure whatsoever. And then other games, it comes out and just throws for 500 yards like he did against us before. And it's almost like, you know, by like mid first quarter, which, which one you're going to get, like, is it going to be good Derek Carr today? Or is it going to be awful Derek Carr? Uh, and it's been more good Derek Carr lately than it has been awful. I think he's actually pretty solid. He's, he's better than Chiefs fans want to admit just because we've kicked his ass so many times. Um, but just this game in general, um very fired up for it i think this is the official uh we're back game uh, because we've eked out some wins over the giants and the rogers list packers hasn't done much for us you know in terms of perception it has in the standings um but if you go into las vegas and beat the team who's ahead of you in the afc west i think it's officially you know the afc gets put on notice hey the Chiefs are, you know at least back in contention or we're gonna have to deal with them like we're not gonna get rid of them before january um, so I'm I'm extremely pumped up for this game. I think it's going to be uh, fucking great. So um, you being a blitzing defensive Hunter Renfro, coach. Hunter Renfro. There you go. There's a guy. There's a guy. Take. <laughs> There's a guy. Um, so you being a blitzing defensive coordinator. When I think of a blitzing defensive coordinator, the person I think of is Wink Martindale. Would you prefer to be Wink Martin Dirk or Dirk Martindale? Because <laughs> I think Dirk and Wink are close enough 
Wink Martin Dirk or Dirk Martindale? I think you got to go wink. You got to go wink. wink. So it's it's clear who you're talking about. Dirk Martindale's like, huh? I don't know. What are you saying? Wink but, but. Martin Dirk. All right. Um, I I want to say this about the Raiders, about this Raiders game. Um, Drop an F bomb. You said that like if they win, it's a, a we're back sort of thing, right? Um, I'm going to tell you this. The Chiefs are not going to score a lot of points against the Raiders on Sunday. It's not going to happen. Oh. I, I, I don't think that whatever their struggles have been are going to be solved this Sunday against Gus Bradley, who has given Patrick Mahomes as many or more problems as any defensive coordinator since Mahomes entered the league. Which and is really we- interesting. It's really interesting because he's a cover three guy, um, which is not what teams are doing against Mahomes now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do on defense if they lean into their cover three. And I, I assume he's still doing that because he is from the Seattle tree, correct? So he is yeah. running the uh, prototypical Seattle cover three, um, which Mahomes would be delighted to see at this point, I assume. It'll be interesting to see if he goes with that or if he going with the cover two uh, with two safeties deep, which is, which is killing Mahomes right now. I'll say that there is a possibility – that just because it's something different and something maybe a little more familiar from years past, um, that they're going to be better prepared and maybe they can find some, some holes in those zones. And I definitely think that the Raiders defensively are, are lacking talent in a lot of places, but I'll tell you where they're not. Well, lacking Cause they, talent. cause they keep cutting them. They keep getting arrested. Well, yeah, that, and they, you know, have a former TV guy as their general manager and his picks have been awful. Um, but listen, their two defensive ends, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe, are, I would say, prepared to watch them eat our tackles lunch all game long because both of them are speed guys. They get around the edge. We know that our tackles, that's where they're struggling. They're not able to keep up with that speed rush. And I think Mahomes is going to be under duress all night long. We're going to have to figure out how to help those tackles how to chip and do these extra things when we're dealing with speed rushes like this. And it sucks, but I think it's the truth. So I would say be prepared for another third week in a row, really ugly looking football game from the chiefs and and specifically on offense. I think that they're really going to struggle to get things going, especially if they're not winning on first and second down Um, the way to beat this Raiders team is the same formula that we've been talking about the last few weeks. They have to commit to running the ball against them so that they get into third and short because Mahomes on third and 15 with Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe coming around the edge. It's not going to work, folks. It's not. They're not going to snap fuck, out fuck of it. No, because we're, we're throwing a screen pass. We don't even we don't even try on third and 15 anymore. It's, it's amazing what's happening. Right. Um, right. But that's I mean, that's it's a good point. Um, it's in, you don't buy into the narrative that Mahomes just magically got everything back with that third and 10 play at the end. Uh, which was some vintage Mahomes. Uh, but I think people are kind of running with this narrative too much. Like we're just kind of, maybe maybe I just watched too much Nick Wright and, and he just has to have like a pro Chiefs take every time. So it's like anything, some, something good happens. No, the Chiefs are back. They're winning the Super Bowl. You're all scared. Um, but that'll be interesting. And, and the Raiders offense, that's kind of scary because the Raiders offense has had success against the Chiefs defense, yeah. uh, especially last year. And they're just kind of the, they're happy to kind of dink and dunk their way down the field. Like uh, while the Chiefs struggle to put 15 play drives together, the Raiders are happy 
uh, to, to put 15 play drives together. Um, maybe things are different now that Gruden's gone. Who knows where that team's head is at at this point. But they are kind of the offense that gives the Chiefs defense trouble because, you know, short passing game. Um, they'll stick with the running game. And it's just kind of, you know, four, four yards in a cloud of dust kind of thing. I think that's a, a team that t- traditionally has success against the Chiefs defense. I think that if I could handpick how they should match up against the, the Raiders' weapons, I would take Sneed and Charvarius double teaming Darren Waller on every play. I would take Tyron Matthew shadow covering everywhere he goes, Hunter Renfro. Oh. And, and I would probably say Juan Thornhill, always watching Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield. And beyond that, I, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care about Brian Edwards, and maybe I'll, I'll regret to, to, you know, have said that. Um, I don't really care that much about Deshaun Jackson because he got there three days ago. Uh, maybe Carr chucks one up to him. Maybe they get lucky. It's possible. Uh, but I think I will that- say, I mean, for Derek Carr has always struggled with the deep pass. He's laid up a couple moon balls to rugs this year that have been pretty gorgeous. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, listen, folks, um, it's been a long one today. Great to be able to talk about the Chiefs with my friend Dirk. It's Chiefs and Raiders. Raider week happening. Sunday night football on NBC. Dirk, do you think the Chiefs are going to win? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I will will take the Chiefs to beat the Raiders in a really close, really ugly game. Um, mostly because I, I think that the Raiders are just in a tough spot. Six and to I, five. They might, they might try to get up for this game, but man, like I, 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 I hate the Raiders more than any other franchise. And even I feel for some of the stuff that they've gone through this year. Um, the hits, the hits keep coming, man. It can't be easy to go to work and keep having stuff like that happen. Um, it's, it, it's got to suck, uh, but also fuck the Raiders. So um, go Chiefs. This has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness. We will see you next week. Who's the best f- Go join.